are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. We had a lady stop by the church this week, and um, she said, I want to donate to the church a, a wheelchair that I had bought for my husband. She said, we came to your church in December for a concert. There was a, a Christmas concert here one night, and when we pulled in and parked, as soon as we got out of our car, there was a gentleman there in a golf cart. And so we got in his golf cart, and he brings us over to the front door of the church, and, and he realized my husband had some needs. And so he ran in, said, wait here, and he got a wheelchair, and he brought it out. And uh, my husband got in the wheelchair, and he kind of handed us off to this other guy. And the other guy brought us all the way into the sanctuary and all the way down to our seat. She said it was one of the most memorable evenings that we've had in a long, long time. And then she told the receptionist at the north entrance, Ruth, as she began to cry. She said, recently my husband passed away. And I wanted to bring this wheelchair that I bought for him and give it to your church, hoping that maybe there would be another couple like us who shows up, who really needed some help, and they could benefit like we benefited. You know, when I heard the story, I, I was just so thankful uh, for, for what our church is like. Um, it matters that you serve, that you volunteer. It matters that you uh, push somebody in a wheelchair down to their seat. It matters that you hold the door for somebody or that you wave and say hi to somebody that you don't even know. It matters that you make people feel welcome. I just love the way that you open your arms to people who come in, and I've got to brag on you. God knows that I'm thankful for you, and I love the way that you invite. It blows my mind, but every Sunday we meet people that you invited to come to church with you. And, and I, you're getting so good at it. I just love the way that you kind of live with your arms open and you make people feel welcome and, and say, hey, there's room for you in our community. Come and be a part of us. So just had to brag on you a few minutes before we get started. So we're in a series right now. And um, the uh, name of the series that we're in is called... Um, you guys are so good. You just amaze me. You always get everything right. That's, that's incredible. So we're dealing with three basic questions. And uh, the first basic question we asked a couple of weeks ago was, who am I? It's really a question about identity. Where did I come from? How did I get here? We found in the book of Genesis that God created us in His image, in His likeness, moral, intellectual, spiritual beings, literally for Him. That's who we are. We're His. And then last week we dealt with the question, then why am I here? We said, well, maybe we should ask the one who made us, why did you put us here? Do we have purpose? And in the book of Isaiah, we learned that we are here. Our purpose in life is to glorify God. It really makes life more simple, doesn't it? So when I've got a choice to make, I simply ask myself the question, does this bring glory to God? If so, then maybe I should do it. Does this bring glory to God? If not, maybe I shouldn't do it. And when we go through really tough times, we ask ourselves, it's not all about me. How can God be glorified even in this tough time that I'm in? Today we're going to talk about our future. We're going to try to answer the question, so where am I going? What is my destination from here? I ran across a quote by uh, Voltaire recently. Sounds French, doesn't he? He was historian, uh, a writer, a playwright, a philosopher, um, 
a lot of radical ideas, maybe not so much considered by many as a friend of the church, but he's credited with saying these things. He wrote it in the 1700s, okay? He said, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm on my way. (laughs) And I wondered if there's people with me today who would say, I think that kind of describes me. Rick, when I think about my future, I don't know that I can really say I know where I'm going. Maybe I don't really have that figured out just yet. Maybe I haven't really made those decisions just yet. But I'm up and living life every day. I mean, I'm on my way. I'm going somewhere. I just don't know if I can tell you where it is that I know for sure that I'm going. And it's not just a matter of I can't see the future. It's more about I haven't really decided yet. And so somebody may say, um, if you want to really, you know, look me in the eyes and kind of pin me back and say, you know, where, where, where are you going? I don't know. I'm right now doing some things that I want to do. I'm kind of doing what I want to do, and, and I guess I'll see where that road takes me. And on the other end of that conversation would be somebody saying, no, I... I really want to bring glory to God with my life. That's my destination. So here's here's why it's so important to have this conversation. Simply this, because how we think about the future, it shapes how we live in the present. So when you look out into your future, what do you see? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to become? What is your life, what do you want your life to look like? And once you get that figured out, then it begins to shape the way you make decisions today as you're moving forward. And so if I say to you that when I think about my future, I I just want to glorify God in my future, then therefore it shapes the way I make decisions today. So I'm just going to let you take in a, a really deep breath. You know, we've been singing. I'm kind of wound up up here. And maybe it's just good for us just to kind of go, you know what I'm saying? You want to do it? Just take one in, let it out. Okay, here we go. Because that's what this next statement allows you to do in your life. Okay? You can trust God with your future. You don't have to control. You don't have to dictate. You don't have to try to navigate. You don't have to try to wiggle your own will into it. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to fret. You don't have to pace. You can today make a decision that says, you know what, God, I am done. I am done. I'm finished. I'm tired of worrying about it. I'm trying to work through it. I'm tired of trying to manipulate it. I'm tired of trying to dictate it. I'm tired of trying to guide it. I'm tired of trying to control it. So what I'm going to do today, God, is just say, you know what, my future, here you go. I'm just going to put it in your hands And I'm just going to trust you with my future. So you determine my future. You decide who I'm going to marry. You decide what kind of job I'm going to have. You decide how I'm going to treat people. You decide how I'm going to live. I'm just going to say, God, my whole future, I'm given to you. I'm tired of trying to figure it out. I'm just going to put it in your hands and let you determine what my future looks like. And I'm trusting you with it. And I think when you come to that place in your life and you really mean it, there's really this potential just to kind of take in a deep breath and just go, boy, that feels good. I'm done. So let me, let me take you to God's Word. 
Proverbs chapter 3. I'm only going to read two verses, only going to read two verses, five and six. I grew up in a home with an incredible mom who quoted scripture to me all of my life. And she used to quote these two verses to me. And I've grown to love them. In fact, you know, I wish you would memorize them. I wish you'd just kind of put them away in your heart because there's going to be many days where you're going to need to go retrieve them. They're that good. So here we go. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You ready? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Written by Solomon, mostly the book of Proverbs, about 3,000 years ago. It's been around a while. It's called wisdom lit, which means that it's good stuff to help you learn how to live well in God's world and to honor God. And these two verses kind of sum up the whole book. So here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The word trust is, uh, there's kind of an image of a person maybe face down in humility, kind of with a spirit and attitude of saying, I, I don't have the answers. So I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You know how you lean on stuff? What if I leaned on this for a minute? It's moving. Sorry about that, guys. Lean not on your understanding. Okay? So don't don't lean on that. Like I shouldn't lean on that. But in all your ways, in your relationships, in your finances, in your career choices, in all of your ways, just submit, surrender to God. And He will make your path straight. When my mother quoted it to me, she quoted it out of another version, and it said, and He will direct your paths. I'll just, I'll just hang out with God, and God will just say, turn here. Now take a left. All right, go straight. So just, what, what if when you think about your future, you said, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to trust the Lord with all of my heart when it comes to my future. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm not going to try to figure it out, do it my way. But in all of my ways, every aspect of my life, I'm just going to say, God, I'm yours. And here's the promise. He will Make your path straight. He will direct your paths. So I don't know how well you remember the story of Solomon who wrote this stuff. You remember who his father was? Anybody? David. Yeah. David was the most loved king of all of Israel, right? So Solomon, after David passes away, after he dies, Solomon becomes king. So not long after he becomes king, he is away one night on a journey and God appears to him in a dream and a vision. You know what God says to him? Hey Solomon, what if I granted you anything you ask for? In fact, I will. You name it, I'll give it to you. Whatever it is. So I just think it's an awesome, interesting section of scripture where God says to somebody, I'll give you one thing. You name it and I'll give it to you. 
So what, what if you were on a journey this week and God appears to you in a dream and a vision and says, okay, I'll give you one thing. Whatever it is that you want, you ask for it. What would you ask for? What would it be? It's like you don't want to mess that one up, right? You want to get that one right. And Solomon says, okay, God, if you will give me anything that I ask for, here we go. Here's what I would like to have. You've made me the king of this nation, the leader of your people, but I'm young, like a teenage boy. And I don't have discernment. I don't have wisdom to rule your people. So if you will give me anything that I ask for, that's what I want. I want you to give me wisdom and discernment so that I can rule your people. And so here's what God says to Solomon. Solomon, I will give you wisdom. In fact, I will give you wisdom to the degree that there never has been and there never will be, including Einstein, anybody with the wisdom that you will have. And so Solomon becomes known as the wisest man in the ancient world. People traveled from all over the world to sit under his teaching. And God says, Solomon, you didn't ask for money. You didn't ask for honor. You didn't ask to be famous. I'm going to give you all that other stuff too. And so Solomon becomes this giant of a man. So I don't know about you, but I'm just going to, you know, be frank with you. Um, If I was Solomon and everybody knew that I was the wisest person in the world, right? Because they did. And when it came to thinking about my future, I think it would be somewhat tempting, don't you? To say to God, uh, hey buddy, why don't you take a break? You're busy. Why don't you have a seat over there? Because I happen to be the wisest man in the world, thanks to you big guy. And so I think what I will do from this point is just kind of determine my own future. After all, I'm the wisest man who's ever lived or ever will live. But Solomon was wise enough to know that wisdom would fall short in thinking about his future. And Solomon does not conclude that, you know what? I can take it from here. The opposite is true. Solomon says, you can't lean on your own understanding. Even if you're wise as I am, you need God. The internet amazes me. Information that we have in front of us is crazy good. So I read that quote by Voltaire of, you know, a while back. And I thought, you know, I should actually refresh myself about Voltaire. I just didn't remember much in my history about him. And so I began to dig and I found out that Voltaire was born in the 1700s and he was a philosopher and he was a playwright and he was a theolo- not a theologian, but he was a historian and he had really radical ideas and he wasn't necessarily a friend of the church and he claimed to be theist, but was actually kind of more of a deist by everybody else. And he often took aim and fired shots at the church. The reason I didn't, you know, just keep going is because, I mean, I learned so much about Voltaire that you wouldn't want to hear it all today. It's that way in our world. We have information everywhere. And that and I, not long ago, said, hey, you remember those uh, overnight oats that Morgan made when she was here? Uh, we should do that. And so within maybe two minutes, our phones are out on the counter in front of us, and we've got recipes for overnight oats. You should try overnight oats. Overnight oats are really, really good. 
I don't know how many times in a week I take out my phone and say, define this word, especially when I'm reading subject, define this word for me. Information. You realize our problem is not a lack of information. Our problem is not a lack of knowledge. We can know almost anything we want to know. Our problem is independence. Our problem is we don't want to give the controls of our future over to anybody. Our problem is we seek to control our own future. I just want to be the captain of my own ship. Is that so bad? This is my life, right? Don't I get a say? Our struggle is independence. One of, the, one of the greatest things that's happened to me in the last two years is that my friend wrote a book, and in it he helped me to understand the fact that I don't know very much. And I don't. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've said this. Have you ever said this? Whoa. If I would have known then what I know now, I would have sure done that differently. And what I understand is that I cannot see the future. I have no idea. I mean, anybody here can see the future? Because if you can, let's get together with the stock market. We're struggling. And so if I can't see the future, but God can see the future, then why would I say, God, it's okay. You take a seat over there. I'm going to go solo on this one. Why would I not say, no way am I leaning on my own understanding. I'm going to trust God with my future. You see, if I walk back to that black curtain, and, uh, and I'm talking to you the whole time, and I put my hand on it like I'm going to lean against you, you'd say, don't lean on that. It won't hold you up. And I think what Solomon is trying to do in the Word today is say to us, Hey, 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 look at me. Don't lean on your understanding. It will not support you. It will let you down. You need more than understanding and information and knowledge. You need God is what you need when you think about your future. So, you know, I love to go to a group on Sunday morning. For the last 10 years I've been here very few Sunday mornings have I not been in a community group, a class with a group of some of you. And so um, right now I get to be in a group with people who are much younger than me. So it's this group of people who are like uh, maybe just out of college up kind of through their 20s. It's that, that age group. And, and I get to go in and try to teach. And I love it. And sometimes they hang out at my house. And that's cool because nobody in their 20s wants to hang out with an enemy these days. And um, it's a life-giving group of people, and I'm really proud of them, and I'm proud to be a part of them. And I would say something like, you're my homies, but that would not go over well, so I don't even know how to talk that language. But, um, you know, I keep telling them, God is raising up a group of young people in this church, and one day you're going to lead this church, you know. Some of them are right here, some are back there. Hey, what's up, y'all? So, but I remember one day, and I'm just trying to say that to say to you, I hope you get in a group. Because what happens in those groups is life transforming for me. I remember going down the hall to a group, this is six, seven years ago, and, and, and the teacher was not there. It was substitute teacher. His name is Rick Martin, a friend of mine. And Rick throws out this idea of a default future. 
Never heard the phrase, got my attention, leaned in, very interested. In fact, I was so inspired by it. And the conversation that we had that day is that a few weeks later on Sunday morning, I came in and kind of shared it with the people that were here. And then a few weeks later, I was speaking at Southern Nazarene University's commencement, and I shared it with those graduating seniors. And so this idea of default is failure to act, right? So if you're defaulted on a loan, it means you failed to make payment, right? And so, you know, every time I open my laptop, I think about default settings. You know, the background, the screen on your laptop, uh, I've never changed that. It's whatever it showed up with when they gave me the laptop, you know. I'm okay with default settings, but I'm not okay with the default future. A default future is a future where if you don't think or make any decisions, it's what's likely to happen. If nothing kind of unexpected comes along. And so if I said you're a young man in his mid-twenties today, so uh, talk to me about your future. What do, you, what do you see when you look at your future? He might say, I, I don't know. Well, what about the job? Do you like your job? It's okay. So you think you might stay with the job? Probably, unless something, you know, comes along. Well, what about the gal you're dating? She's cute. You're going to hang with her? Yeah. You think you'll get married? Probably she wants to. Will you have kids? I don't know, maybe. See, that, that's a default future. You don't do anything. You don't think. <laughs> you don't act. You just kind of, you know, what, whatever, whatever kind of comes along, that's the future. And so there's a guy who coined the phrase, he's a professor at the University of Southern California. His name is David Logan, and David Logan coined the term, and he says every young person, every old person, every organization, every group has a default future. You know what I'm learning about people in their 20s today? I'm trying to learn about people in their 20s because I'm hanging out with some of them. Do you know what one of their greatest fears in life is? That my life is insignificant. That I might live my whole life and it not really count or matter much. One of the greatest fears that people in their 20s are living with today is that my life might not be significant. It's kind of like the great theologian, Kenny Chesney. Maybe he was a country music guy, I guess, but... In, in the word, in the song, rather, don't blink, he said, when your hourglass runs out, you can't flip it over and start again. You get one shot. And young people are saying today, I can't miss with this one shot. And so Logan says, here's what you do. You say no to a default future. I'm not going to settle for that. Logan says, what you got to do is you've got to ask yourself, what is the future that I want for my life? And then he says, you rewrite your future. And I disagree. I think you say to God, God, I want you to write my future. 
I need help. Do, do, do you realize that when you think about your future, you are thinking about the next chapters of your life that have not yet been written? And it's a matter of saying, okay, God, I'm going to lay my pen down. I'm finished writing. And I want you to write the next chapters of my life. However you want to write them. This is really the gospel. Because Jesus was constantly giving people a new future. The lame walked, the blind could see, the deaf could hear, the prisoners were set free. And sometimes God breaks into our lives and He calls us to a different future. And when He does, how are you going to respond? See, this is not, this is not about five easy steps uh, to get my life unstuck and to get my life moving in a better direction. No, no, no. This is about admitting to God, I need your help. And I'm going to lay my pen down and I'm asking you to please come into my life and would you write those next chapters however you want to write them. I trust you. And so it really comes to this very simple very simple step. It's just say, I'm going to surrender my future to God in all my ways, in my finances, in my relationships, in my, you know, vocation, in everything. I'm in all my ways. I'm just going to surrender my future to God. And I'm just going to say, God, you direct my paths. Would you just tell me which way to turn and which way to go? And I am going with you. I trust you with my future. You probably know this already, but, um, Solomon's future didn't go so well. God told him, Solomon, I'm going to make you wise, and he did. I'm going to bless you with wealth, and he did. Nobody lived like Solomon before or since. But God also said, Solomon, whatever you do, let me direct your paths. Don't marry foreign women. Here's the reason why. They, they serve other gods. And Solomon, if you marry them, they're going to get your heart, and they're going to turn your heart to their gods. But the Bible says Solomon did not let God direct his paths. Solomon said, there's just a couple of areas, God, where I want to direct my own paths. <laughs> I'd like to marry whoever I want to. And so Solomon marries 700 women. That equals 700 mother-in-laws and father-in-laws. And the Bible says they turned his heart and he served their gods. Saddest story in the Bible. And today, our heads are spinning, and we're asking ourselves, is there an area or two 
where I said, God, in this area, I would like to direct my own paths. Yet God calls us to surrender our whole future to Him in all of your ways. In all of your ways, submit to Him. I had a conversation recently with someone, and it's not an uncommon conversation. He said, I've really blown it. I've messed up really bad with me and God. I feel so bad, Pastor. I said to him, you know, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The real question for you today is not back there. It's what do you do from here? From this day forward, can you surrender your future to God? Can I pray for you? Father, I I have believed for three weeks that you have been talking to us just gently in your loving way. I, I feel like, Lord, you've been calling us to a life of surrender. You've reminded us of who we are and why we're here. And the direction that we should be going. And it's all for your glory. But it's also for our good. And deep in our hearts we know this is the best possible life that we could ever live. I believe even this moment, it's, it's a moment of decision. stand with me so you know when we um, when we say to God um, I'm going to direct my own path I don't know that there's much better of a definition for sin than that not going your way I'm going my way but if we confess our sins Scripture tells us that He's faithful, He's just, He'll forgive us. And He'll cleanse us from any of that unrighteousness in our hearts. And so this morning as we sing, I just wonder if maybe there's people who say, I want to pray. I want to tell God, God, I have, uh, I've tried to direct my own past. It's not working out so good. I need help. I'm sorry going with you and and obviously altars are a great place to pray for a lot of things I prayed with a lady this morning uh, she wept right over here for her son who needs Jesus in his life so bad and I always think it's good to come and pray for our kids um, if you need God's touch in another way if you're going through a tough time you can come and pray but it just feels like to me at the end of this series it's it's good for us just to pause here Take some time before we go today and pray.
So let's sing it. If you want to come and pray for any reason, I invite you to come. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.